0: What's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today is day 53, and we're going to cover Numbers chapter 21 and 22. I got my special guest, Mr. Detective Mills, in the house. How you doing today, bro? Bless. Man, that's so good. You ready to hop in chapters 21 and 22 and introduce our guy, Balaam? Yes, sir. (laughs) All right, but before we get to Balaam, we need to talk about chapter 21. Israel is starting to win battles, even though they're in the wilderness, which is what we talked about last time that even though God says, you'll see what it's like for my hand to be against you. He still named them Israel and he still fights for his people. And he's still accomplishing his mission, even though he's keeping them in the wilderness and they're dying out. So basically what he's doing, two things at one time, he's allowing The second generation to age and get older and be trained up and he's securing the borders for them to go into the promised land but he has them also wandering and the old generation that first generation just dying off but he's giving them certain battles to set the second generation up for success Mm -hmm. so we're going to see that off and on here on why they're winning battles and what's going on there this is what causes balaam to come on the scene because they employ Balaam because he's a spiritual prophet. And they're like, man, if you can't beat Israel physically, let's try to beat them spiritually. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we're going to see when that comes up. But let's look at some of the physical battles. One here in chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, we see them conquer Arad. And it says here that when the Canaanites, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming by the way, it says in... Verse two, that Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, if you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. The Lord heard the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. Then they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So they utterly destroyed them. And then they set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Because remember, Edom wouldn't let them pass through. So Moses honored that. And so he's taking them on a different route, but the people don't like that. They're going to complain about that here. It says that the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food, Mm -hmm. bro. I said this before. Man, do you hear what they're saying? They're saying, God, you keep raining down this manna from heaven, and we hate it. We hate these miracles. Stop giving us miracles. We want to go back to the old land in Egypt where we had fish and cucumbers and onions and all of the good stuff. We don't like miracle food. Man, what's up with our people, man?
1: Man, it's pretty wild to me, but (laughs) again, we can't really pick on them. Not at all. Because that sin dwells in us too.
0: Nah, for sure. And we can't even forget the rabble that came with them from Egypt because they would have knew even better. They would have had it Better than Israel there. And so we enter this passage in chapter, in verse 6, about the bronze serpent. It says, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. He's killing them all, bro. He's raising up the new generation of Joshua and Caleb. He wants Joshua and Caleb's faith. That's the type of people he wants to enter the promised land with. And that should be an encouragement to us. He says, Caleb had a different spirit Mm -hmm. and I pray to God often, God, give me a different spirit like that of Caleb, where I'm a man of faith and that I honor you. And I actually pray that for everybody who's listening that you all have a different spirit, Mm -hmm. that spirit that God loves. And it says in verse seven, so the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you intercede with the Lord. So they know now that Moses is the guy, he's the intercessor and that he may remove the serpents from, and Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard. And it will come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man. When he looked on the bronze serpent, he lived. And bro, this is powerful because that's supernatural. Because today, what do you do when you get bit by a venomous snake? You got to get rushed to the hospital to, to get an antidote, to get a cure. God embedded it in turning your head and looking to provide that antidote that saves your life. And so you see built in a component of faith. Like he's pushing them back to faith. Like you can't go find this plant or this medicine to treat this. You don't get results from medicine. You get results from faith. Look at this poll. And I think it's interesting because Jesus draws on this in the gospels. And I actually, I want to turn there and read that really quick. Jesus says, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the son of man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. Man, you see that pictorial prophecy where the turning of the head healed you from the venomous poison. Even today, the turning of your head, looking to Christ, heals you of the venomous poison of sin, even today. And that's our whole ministry, bro. We're going to people, telling them to turn and look to Christ. And that's what was happening all throughout the Old Testament. And all we're doing is grafting in to the faith of Israel. God has always honored faith. And we today are preachers of faith. We're preachers of Christ, of righteousness. But the means you access that is through faith. And man, isn't it beautiful to know that we are connected to the lineage and the heritage of our ancestors, and we're believing God the same way they did. Like we're not doing anything different. We're not reinventing the wheel. That brings me much confidence, and it emboldens me and gives me much courage. What about you?
1: No, absolutely. I, I always think about Abraham and says that he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. I think it's uh, also beautiful about this bronze serpent that God gave a command, gave gave a way to do it. The people complain, they sinned against God, and God says, you only have one way to be healed from these snake bites. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel because God's the only one with the remedy. And the only remedy for sin is his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so it's beautiful how Jesus brought that up too. And it's an awesome picture to me.
0: Man, it sounds like you working up a sermon, bro. You want to let it ride out with (laughs) that sermon or you want to hit chapter 22? I'm good with either.
1: Man, let's hit chapter 22. (laughs)
0: All right, bro. Chapter 21 ends with what we were talking about. Israel wins two victories. It went a victory with Sion in verse 21. Then Israel sent messengers to Sion, the king of the Amorites, saying, let me pass through your land. We will not turn off into the field or the vineyards. We will not drink water from the wells. The same thing that was mentioned to Edom. But this time. Israel strikes them with the sword and they win. This is verse 24. And the same thing happens with Bashan in verse 33. It says, they turned and went up by the way of Bashan and Og, the king of Bashan, went out with his people for battle and they killed them. And they won this battle. And verse 35 says, so they killed them and his sons and all his people until there was no remnant left and they possessed his land. And so they are securing land in the wilderness that sets them up for success when they go into the promised land. And you just see God moving on multiple fronts, preparing, setting up the second generation, but dealing with this unbelieving first generation as well. But the people get win that they're winning victories and Balak gets a win of this and he wants to stop it. So they come up with a strategy. Okay, we can't beat them physically. Let's try to beat them spiritually. So that prophet, that famous prophet Balaam, let's call him up and let's get some help from him. And so that's what we're about to see here. And God is so powerful, bro. He says, you can't beat us physically, nor can you beat us spiritually. I'll take your false prophet and put my words in his mouth and he'll start prophesying about Israel's future. Man, you see how powerful that is. And so that's what we're about to get. So Balaam is called, and it says here in verse 1 of 22, Then the sons of Israel journeyed and camped into the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan opposite Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So Moab was great in fear because of the people, for they were numerous. Promise answered. They're becoming a great nation, bro. And Moab was in dread for the sons of Israel. Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this horde will lick up all that is around us, and the ox licks up the grass of the field. And that's just basically flowery language to say, man, they're going to take us out. (laughs) So he sent for Balaam, the son of Beor, and he calls him, and look at what he says. He says, let's beat them spiritually. I'm going to call Balaam to curse these people. And so verse 6, now therefore please come curse this people for me, Since they are too mighty for me, perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you blessed is blessed and he whom you cursed is cursed. So Balaam is a famous prophet during this time, which is why people would call on him. And so he comes and Balaam kind of sounds like a godly guy up front. Look at, he's going to say, whether you give me gold or silver, I cannot listen to you. Let's Let's look at that. It says here, verse seven, it says, so the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and repeated Balak's words to him. And he said to them, spend the night here and I will bring word back to you as the Lord speaks to me. So he's waiting on the Lord to speak to him. And in verse 10, Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me word, has sent word to me Behold, there is a people who came out of Egypt, and they cover the surface of the land. Now come curse them for me. Perhaps I may be able to fight against them and drive them out. God says to Balaam, Do not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said to Balak's leaders, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. And the leaders of Moab arose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. And bro, Balaam is speaking with Yahweh, with the Lord. And he says, look, don't go with them. So they send word back to Balak and Balak says in verse 16, I beg of you, I will indeed honor you richly. If you do whatever and I will do whatever you say, please then just curse these people for me. And Balaam says something very spiritual. He says, look, Whether you give me a house full of silver or gold, I could not do anything, either small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord, my God. Now, please, you will also stay here tonight and I will find out what else the Lord will speak to me. And God came to Balak again and he says, if the men come to call you, rise up and go with them, but only the word which I speak, you shall do. So now God gives him further instruction. He says, you can go with him, but he gives him a caveat. He says, you can only speak what I say. And so Balaam arose and he went with him, but he doesn't listen to the letter of the law. Verse 22, but God was angry because he was going and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the Lord, the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey turned off from the way and went into the field. But Balaam struck the donkey and turned her back. And so he's going to strike the donkey multiple times and Balaam is going to get angry and, the struck duck and strike the donkey with his stick three times and the donkey is going to speak back in verse 28. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me three times? And bro, what do you think about that miracle there of the donkey talking back to Balaam? And this is not, we're not on unfamiliar territory. We've seen the Red Sea part. We've seen matter rain down from heaven. We've seen water come from a rock. We've seen the ground open up and swallow people. Even in the New Testament, Jesus says that if you all don't praise the Lord, even the, the rocks will crowd. So we know if a rock can crowd, a donkey can. But talk to me about this miracle. Does this one catch you off guard when you come to it?
1: I don't know why, but it always makes me think of Shrek. <laughs> and and <laughs> I wonder if the donkey had Eddie, Eddie Murphy's voice. What's
0: this? Shrek, <laughs> man, <laughs> man, that is hilarious. But yeah, and so the donkey is talking and Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a mockery of me. If there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you. And then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed all the way to the ground. Who's this guy, Dustin? Talk to me.
1: Man, it's amazing to me because every time it says the angel of the Lord, you you already know my my ears perk up, but he gives the same command as God. And it, it just stuck out to me whenever I read it that he has the authority to give that command.
0: God double down, man. It's the pre-incarnate Christ. Man, it's as, him. Let's all say it out loud. That's him. You were thinking it. I just said it. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> man, and he he's here. And that is beautiful because he's fighting for his people even as they're entering the promised land. And he, we're going to see him again with Joshua. He's going to be called the captain of the army. And joshuas he's going to worship him. He says, take your sandals off where the place you stand is holy ground. And what he's telling Joshua, you can't finish this conquest, but I will. I will come from up north, from Galilee, and make my way down Jerusalem, and I'll defeat, I'll give a final blow to the serpent, and I'll crush his head. See, Jesus is a warrior. He was a warrior the whole time. He was suffering, but he was at war. And we'll see him in a different light in the second coming. But he's been fighting ever since the Old Testament. He didn't just show up in the New Testament. Or he doesn't just show up in Revelation saying he wants to fight. He's been fighting all through Scripture. Yep,
1: yeah, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. He's pictured more so throughout the Bible, if you start to understand him, as a warrior than, than as meek and lowly. Uh, he was that when he came to earth. But it was just a short time, 33 years. The rest of the time, he was the warrior. Man.
0: That's good, bro. And the chapter ends here. God tells him to go with the man, but only speak the words which I tell you. God is telling him, listen, you need to obey me and my words. And we're about to see that. But a monkey wrench is about to get thrown into this, bro, because Balaam looks godly. But we're going to see later that he's a wicked prophet. Like he says, gold or silver, whatever you give me, I can't do. I can only speak the word of the Lord. But Balaam is a false prophet, and this is trickery because he looks righteous and he could have confused you and mistaken you if you didn't read all of scripture. God says later that Balaam gives Balak wicked counsel. So he listens to the oracles of God and says them, but he doubles back and whispers in Balak's ear, to says, look, I know you heard what God said, but let me show you how to defeat Israel. You can't get God to turn on Israel. But you can get Israel to turn on God. Give them your women. Mm. And if you do that, they'll go astray. This is why in Revelation it says, don't listen to the counsel of Balaam. He caused them to play the harlot. This is how Solomon falls. And so we got to pay attention to Balaam. He looks like a good guy up until this point. But he has us all fooled, bro. And you got to stay tuned and catch us next to see how all of this unravels. Let's take it out from there. Catch you next time.